The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. It's Monday. It's May. Welcome to it, Gary. How are you? Oh, wow. May Day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. May Day Malone from Cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, May Day, May Day, you know, the uh, the emergency call. The distress signal, as in we're doomed. We're, yes, as, as we're, we're doomed. Uh-huh. Uh, May Day as uh, the celebration of uh, socialism and communism and its great success worldwide. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be listening for the first time. They, well, what's this show I'm listening to? Oh, they're promoting socialism and communism. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, look at <laughs> Venezuela. Remember that whole thing? Oh, for, oh, when the left for 10 minutes used Venezuela oh, as the example oh, of how to do socialism. Right. Which, that was, <laughs> that, that was her evidence. <laughs> that was greatness. GM. <laughs> Um, that, 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 they, they, they came right. in and, and stole all of our property. <laughs> that was their evidence that actually communism, fascism uh, works. Uh, it's just we've never had the right people doing it. That's right. That narrative that goes on. And We're <laughs> much smarter than stupid socialists. We're smart socialists. <laughs> It won't fail ever. <laughs> Those people couldn't tell you, uh, or well, they they told you that they could make your life better, but they can't make your life better by dictating to you how to live your life. No. But we, by telling you how mm. uh, to live your life, we can dictate to you the correct way yeah. of how your life should be run by us. Mm-hmm. All right, but but you know something? Let's sit there and let's all come together. The world needs to come together. We all need to come together. It's great when we see that there are great like minds, even all the way across the globe. For example, Australia. Yeah, all right. All right, for example, this was uh, the uh, the news, the uh, national news, 
from Australia a couple of days ago may relate to something that you heard on Red Eye last week. Well, Liz's story, is Kamala Harris the worst communicator you have ever heard? Absolutely. Feast your eyes on this latest word salad from the Vice President of the United States of America. It's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. What is this woman smoking? (laughs) (laughs) And the Australians look at you and say, you're crazy. You know you're in trouble. (laughs) Sky News Australia from late last week. She's going a little batty. I think she's smoking something. Lots of weed, maybe. I think she's smoking weed. Wow. And I'm, I've never smoked weed. Maybe I need to give it a go. <laughs> I'm going to start smoking lots of weed right now. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I'm I mean, just... it's <laughs> over and, and everybody. For some reason, the one from last week just stayed fresh the entire week. Yeah, it did. You know, I thought maybe we'd come to a point where it just kind of, okay, well, you know, it fades in the, it's the acceptance. Well, that's who she is. That's all you're going to get out of her. But yes, last week, it, 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 yesterday, it was still as if it just happened. Well, you know, there was a slight delay in the reaction because we played it. Mm. Well, we only played the first half of it. We didn't even get to the last portion of it. Mm-hmm. I selected, uh, that was my fault, of selective editing it mm-hmm. because it was so bizarre the first couple of sentences that I never, ah, I don't need to finish it. And it's like, well, right. no, I was wrong. You needed to finish it. But we played it and went, wow, nobody really noticed this. <laughs> By the time we came in the next day, everybody was on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it, it just, and it's still, I mean, on Sunday, again, it was still circulating like it had just happened. Um, but that's the insanity. That's where the Democrats are right now. And I think a lot of it is because it is that realization that, well, if he's going to run again, and if he wins, then she's just, it, it's just a matter of time, as many people believe, that he will have to step down and won't be able to finish his second term if he wins. So she's it. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe, that, maybe it was the announcement and then... Yeah. Having that sitting right there, which yeah. like, okay, that's going to be, yeah. that's really who you're voting for. Right. Wow. And then uh, we had the White House Correspondents Dinner, which has now just become a complete and total Democrat love fest. Yeah. yeah but uh, then uh, Biden, Biden said this, uh, which uh, got a lot of comment from conservatives over the, uh, the, the weekend. But here you go. In a lot of ways, this dinner sums up my first two years in office. I'll talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, and cheerfully walk away. You could hear them all cheering. He's laughing at the media, yep. making a joke essentially at their expense, and they still laugh. Yep. 
which again proves our point. Because if you were really, if you were a journalist and upset about that, you would boo. Yeah, you would. You would boo. Because if Trump said that, I'm not answering any of your questions. That was the one thing that came out. was like, could you imagine if Trump said or any Republican said the things that that uh, that that Biden said? People would have been booing. There would have been or there would have been booing. And oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's what you would have heard. Yeah. I'm not sure Mike Lindell would have laughed at that if Trump had said it. (laughs) Ooh, A little too soon. This is, but this is who Biden is. His defiance is so great. His arrogance is so far gone that he'll sit there and make the joke and laugh at you and then watch you laugh. Well, but they understand it because they understand they're not journalists or political activists. So Mm -hmm. it's just putting the message across. So they all know what's going on. They all know that that the White House does not respect them in the slightest as journalists, understands that they are political activists, not journalists. They're not seeking the truth, well, and a, so they're okay with it. That's a good point. We believe uh, half of the jokes were written by the L.A. Times reporter. <laughs> we saw the it's, cue it's, cards. Instead of the White House writing her question for her yeah. because remember they claim there was no communication at all like, <laughs> so instead of the white house assuming what her question was going to be she decided just to write you know you know to the uh white house and say here's what you say mm-hmm. but yeah just uh uh you know in it, it's embarrassing where journalism has gone in the united states but it's important that you know you and I will never forget after it was when we finally had it with with conservatives analyzing the media. And this was after the Mueller report came out and you had conservative outlets. We hope now that this is a lesson because now that we have found out that and then a, after the inspector general's uh, report on everything that was going on, where we realized that uh, everything that was being peddled, uh, you know, uh, about Trump colluding with the Russians was was actually Hillary Clinton colluding with the Russians and paying for the lie and Democrats across the board, uh, all, all, uh, all for it. And when the Mueller report came out and conservative outlets said, well, uh, maybe this will make the mainstream media realize that they've lost their journalistic ethics and their journalistic principles. And we said, please stop it, guys. Stop it. Just yeah. stop it. Yeah. Stop saying that. There's, there's hope. There is no hope. They're not journalists. They're political activists. Right there showed you. Yeah. You want more evidence? Right there at the White House mm-hmm. Correspondents' Dinner. Mm-hmm. There it is. Mm-hmm. What they and claim is going to change. Right. Nothing is going to change. They're not going to change. He's not going to change. It's going to go like this. Um, as far as as long as he's president and. Man, if she becomes president, oh my gosh! Woo! Think about the answers. If she's standing in the rose garden. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Whoa! On the bright side, could she ever do a press conference? Ever? I think she'll insist on doing it, and it will sound like what you just heard a couple of minutes ago. Every answer. Remember when? Obama was giving these war and peace length answers. 
And it was just, I mean, yeah. killing his numbers. His approval numbers would take a dive. After every time he spoke to the media, we actually said, you you should probably not do press conferences for a while. And they stopped for several months. We believe he listened to the show while he was taking a cigarette break at 2 a.m. And I could see her just going on and rambling forever. I think she'll want to take answers. I think she'll stand out there and ramble and talk in circles every day. I don't think she'll hide from the media. I think she'll believe she's the next rock star. Well, you know, you, the reason I think you have a, a great point there is the fact that she keeps doing these things. Now, again, we don't know whether this is this is scripted or whether she's going off that you know whether this is off the teleprompter or mm-hmm. whether she's just doing this uh, ad lib. But it's never stopped. It's only gotten worse. Right. You know, even there there is a recognition that Biden cannot be out there answering, you know, uh, any questions ad lib. Right. He just, he can't do it. And if he does, then they have coached him that once you make the question, if there's a follow-up, you just go, "Eh," and you turn your back and you walk away. Mm -hmm. But think about that. Biden basically said, remember, because, of course, they were going to be the most transparent administration, (laughs) which, of course, they're the least transparent administration, (laughs) one of the least transparent. uh, And but he basically said, I turn my back on you and America and I will not answer questions. And it becomes one of the hottest jokes that all the Democrats and all the Democrat media is laughing at. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Understand that the White House has no intention of being honest with you, and they want to brag about the fact that they're not being honest with you and won't answer your questions. Yeah. yeah. And the media proud cheers it. it. They're proud of it. So, really, no self-awareness for actually using that line when you think about it. Yeah. No, or maybe no. full self. No, actually, or maybe full self. I think maybe yeah, I'm I wrong think, on that. Full I think self-awareness. it could be okay. quite the opposite. I think yeah. he understands, and now I think it's confirmation. The fact that he delivered the line, got the yucks, and now he's standing there going, "Oh, okay, we're we're done. We're we're right. golden." Right. But I he, don't ever have to answer a question again. You're all Democrats. You're all uh, political activists. You know I don't have the ability to answer any question. Yep. You know that if I'm fully honest with the American public as to what's going on, I won't get voted in again. You're okay with me lying. You're okay with me lying and then under cross-examination not answering any of your questions. You're fine with that. I'm fine with it. Let's just move forward on this same. You've just given the president confidence to continue doing it because the media applauded it. Yeah. How pitiful, how pitiful, how absolutely uncaring, uh, you know, to the American public. Think about it, the arrogance that exists there. I'm not going to answer your questions and I'm going to brag about it. I'm not going to be transparent, deal with it. I'm not going to tell you the truth. Suck it. I'm going to laugh at you. 
I'm going to laugh at you. And you're going to laugh along with me. 86690-RED-EYE. When it comes to truck maintenance, sometimes it's the little things that can cause the most trouble, like cabin air filters. When properly serviced, cabin air filters provide a barrier between pollutants and harmful particles outside and your HVAC system. If you don't pay attention to them, however, this small part can turn into big trouble in no time. Breathe easy when you know how often to get your filters replaced. Long-haul drivers should replace their cabin air filters every 50,000 miles or according to the manufacturer's recommendations. If you operate in dusty environments, consider servicing your cabin air filters more often. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. You remember a couple of years ago when Bernie Sanders uh, was on the debate stage and said, you know, basically billionaires shouldn't exist. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. He went into more specifics with Chris Wallace over the weekend on CNN. Mm. You ready? All right. Here we go. Sir, you're saying that billionaires should not exist. So you're, are you basically saying that once you get to 999 million dollars that the government should confiscate all the rest? I'm saying that we should go back to a very progressive tax policy like what we had under Dwight D. Which would mean that that over a billion dollars basically all goes to the government. You may disagree with me, but I'm just asking. Fine. Yeah, I think people can make it on 900, you know, 99 uh, million dollars. Sir, you're saying... So there you go. Now, you're not going to have any major corporations built in America. 
No, investment, many, real right. investment, not government, what government calls investment. Right. And real investment would just dwindle to nothing. Yeah. And, and as you can see, what he wishes to do is government control all of the capital, which is controlling the means of production. So you can officially now designate Bernie Sanders by the, the technical definition, <laughs> he is a communist. Yeah. Because that's communism. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it gets to is the government controlling all of the, uh, the, the capital. Because there is no incentive at that particular point to expand your wealth. What you're trying to do at that point is basically move out of the, move out of the country. By the way, well, some of the figures, see some of the U.S. Census reports of the amount of money moving out of New York and moving mm-hmm. out of California and moving yeah. out of Illinois. Yeah. Uh, people are, you know, rich You don't have a choice. Moving, right. At, so, at some point, you can't afford to stay. Yep. You know, and that's where we are. And that's exactly what would happen if we were to enact this no billionaires policy that Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all of them want. But what are the billionaires going to do? They're going to get up and leave. Investment gets down to nothing. And everybody that believes the way that Bernie does is going to sit there and wonder what the hell happened. Like the people of California, you know, all these policies that everybody cheers on. And over the weekend, the president or, or the uh, the president of California, <laughs> Freudian slip too soon. He'll be president one day, but not yet. Uh, the governor of California uh, signed the uh, the whole thing. Uh, only electric big rigs starting. I think it's twenty thirty six. You can't sell anything but electric big rigs. Now, for all of you who are cheering that on in California. When you look at the shelves and wonder where you're going to get your stuff after three or four days, why isn't my stuff here? Why is it we only get deliveries every other Thursday? But cheer it on, this kind of policy, and see what happens. If we were to go that direction, no billionaires, all electric vehicles. Because all they want to do is grab control of the means of production of energy. They know it's going to fail. They know it can't work. They want to grab the capital. You just heard it from Bernie. They want the money and the means of production. That's communism. is out of the tube. Eric Arley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. You want some gaslighting? Mm. Fauci over the weekend on CNN. All right, yeah. here, here we go. Mm. Go and look at the tape, <laughs> you know, the tale of the tape, when I kept on saying over and over again, we've got to get the children back to school as quickly as possible. We've got to get them in school safely, and we've got to make sure that they are not essentially out of school, at home, getting all of the negative consequences. Different parts of the country interpreted that differently. They were... Shut up. (laughs) Just shut up. I'm sorry. Some people are too stupid to understand words. 
And you know the whole thing, you know what, 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 you know him and Randy uh, Weingarten saying the same thing. Yeah. When it got to be where the public was completely against it, is when they started moving their opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really didn't have a choice. They were, they right. were being carved out of the rest of pretty much everybody. Reading here, Wall Street Journal. We talked about Randy Weingarten last week, but. Mm. Randy Weigarden's incredible COVID memory loss. (laughs) The teachers union chief tries to rewrite the pandemic history of school closures. Uh, Much still needs to be learned about the long-term health effects of COVID-19, but we already know one of the clear long-term political effects, memory loss. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to explain why longtime advocates of pandemic lockdowns are now denying that they ever supported the school and economic uh, shutdowns that did so much harm to so many. Leading the amnesia parade is Randy Weingarten, the American Federation of Teachers president, who attempted to erase two years of COVID history and testimony last week to the House of Representatives that was literally unbelievable. (laughs) She told the House, we spend every day from February on trying to get schools open. We know that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, she told the House. We know that young people learn and connect best in person, so opening schools safely, even during a pandemic, guided our actions, which I will describe in detail. Alas, her detail omitted a few things, such as her description in July of 2020 of the Trump administration's push to reopen schools for in-person learning that autumn was, quote, this reckless, this callous, this cruel, end of quote. That summer, she endorsed teacher safety strikes if unions deemed local reopening protocols to be uh, inadequate. Hundreds of private and charter schools did open that fall without a surge of illness that Ms. Weingarten claimed to fear. She also left out the detail that local union affiliates were the most aggressive opponents of school reopening throughout 2021 and even into 2022. We are practically begging the Chicago Teachers Union to come to the deal so we can get a deal done, said Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's Democratic mayor, in February of 2021. I remember that story, Mm -hmm. don't you? Yes. Even a year later, in January of 2022, the Chicago Union again voted against in-person learning. The union said it wouldn't relent until the surge in COVID-19 cases subsided or the school district signed an agreement establishing conditions for return. After Governor Ron DeSantis ordered Florida schools to reopen in autumn of 2020, the Florida Education Association sued the state to keep them closed. The schools open much to the benefit of students who learn far better in person, according to all evidence, we could cite many other union quotes and efforts. Ms. Weingard and others are trying to rewrite history because they realize now, far too late, that their lockdowns were very unpopular. The public can see the damage and lost learning and livelihoods. The lockdown lobbyists want everybody to forget it happened, but it's important for democratic accountability that they don't get away with it. Yeah, and, you know, it was bound to go this way. This is exactly how uh, Democrats in office and liberals 
that uh, Occupy office do the same thing. They pretend as if the Internet doesn't exist. And that if you show them a clip of them saying otherwise, it's you that misunderstands what they were trying to say. That's the insanity. And we went through the quotes from, uh, I don't have them here in front of me, but we went through all the quotes last week from Fauci of what he had said at that time. Because last week, remember, last week his excuse uh, 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 was uh, that, uh, well, I didn't close them. Yeah, right. No, but you advised to close them. Right. Uh, I didn't close one school. Well, no, you didn't have the authority. Only the states could do that. Right. And, but you advise them to do it. And we went through all the quotes of when he did. Mm-hmm. And now they're all running for their lives from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead I, of saying, here's what's interesting. Instead of saying, no, at the time, this is exactly what we believed needed to happen. And it's it's what we did. That's somebody who can own it and say, listen, and hindsight is twenty twenty, and we've learned a lot. And it wasn't the right thing. But the problem is, is that they didn't care. Because if they would say that, that, that that would be a demonstration that they did care along the way. And that they were willing to reassess at any moment along the way. And they weren't. They were drunk with power and believed they could get away with it. Until they said otherwise, until they wanted to change things, things weren't going to change. Because so much was given to both Fauci and Weingarten. You look at those, you know, those two individuals and how much control they had. And (laughs) I didn't have the authority. Yeah, you did. You had the influence and that's all it took. And I would ask the question because we knew from the very, very beginning, if you said there's been two constants of, uh, of COVID, one, and this is from the very, very beginning, you and I know it because we went through every day of it, mm-hmm. um, and as did everybody else, but we went through every day of, of actually covering it mm-hmm. uh, on the air. And we knew from the very, very beginning, from the early Washington State uh, nursing homes mm-hmm. where the deaths were from the very, very beginning, we knew that it's a completely different disease for those that are elderly with underlying conditions yep. than it was for the young. Yep. The young was not affected by it, less than the flu, and we don't close schools for the flu. And we had asked that when schools started closing even early on, well, why are they doing this? All right, maybe there's some unknown. By the time we got to the summer, though, we knew that wasn't the case. Yeah. And then we, we had talked that schools should reopen because we can't find there was no evidence, zero evidence that existed. The children, you know, were affected by it like elderly people were. There was nothing to that extent whatsoever. There wasn't anywhere between, what was it, a 10 to 20% mm. fatality rate of somebody who was elderly, mm-hmm. you know, with an underlying condition or obese or whatever, high blood pressure. Totally different ball game there. Yeah. And we knew it from the very, very beginning. And we would say why the, and, and so remember, we're in, a, we're in August of, 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 you know, we're we're talking August, September of 2020. By 2021, Randy Weingarten and, and Fauci wasn't screaming to open the schools in 2021. No. No. And all of a sudden, 
You got Weingarten saying in February 2022, she was saying, let's open the schools. Well, at that point, we'd gone through almost two years of it and known that it was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And now we know the lockdowns in general, but especially the lockdowns of schools, was completely and totally unnecessary. Yep. And now they want you to believe that wasn't them. Yeah. It wasn't us. We didn't do it. Oh, yeah. Republicans must have been gone. Uh, Republicans must have been calling from it. was Trump and DeSantis' fault. Right. Yeah. Remember when, uh, after Biden came in, Fauci was the darling of the liberal media. And he was mocking Trump. Yeah. After saying that, you know, look, everything we advised him to do, he did. He was following our advice, our guidance. And then when Trump is no longer president, he's mocking him. This is the, again, the media attention that he was getting put up on that pedestal and treated like he was uh, a king. And he was, man, he was celebrating. This guy was celebrating. Again, drunk with power thinking he's the all-knowing. Smartest guy in the room. You must be stupid if you miss... Now he's saying, you must be stupid if you misunderstood what I was saying then. Right, I was saying, all schools should be open, and you took it that all schools should be closed. Right. Just amazing. I mean, you just shake your head in, in absolute disgust. We went through this entire thing, and... You know, he's he's hoping and Randy Weingarten is hoping that because they're they're speaking to the people that support them now, which are Democrats, mm-hmm. and they're hoping that Democrats are idiots. That's yeah. what they're hoping. Yeah. That Democrats have no memory whatsoever, that they're all smoking weed, they yeah. have they have no short term memory or medium term memory, and they have no idea of what they were calling for during COVID. That's what they're hoping for because Republicans certainly haven't forgotten. Conservatives uh, haven't haven't forgot what what happened no, during that time. No, no, Fauci is hoping hoping that basically everybody on the left at this moment in time will think of this moment in time and remember this moment in, in time, time as we only recall only this moment in moment time. in time, not that moment in time, no, not not back. No, no, no. This not, moment, not now, past moment now, in time, not present then. moment in time. Yes. Right, you need to be present, present in that moment of time. You're not being present. <laughs> God. Uh, They're all smoking weed. It's a- <laughs> Every one of them. You're chewing on a mushroom, dude. I'm, I don't know, I know. What, what is yeah. going on in your mind yeah, it if, may you, be, if you believe you're going to win this, yeah, Fauci. It, it may be beyond weed. Yeah. I just love that, though. No, I was saying everything should be open. Everything should be open. Anybody who didn't know that must have interpreted that wrong. It must have interpreted. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Different parts of the country. Yeah. I love yeah, 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 Different yeah. parts yeah. of the country. Yeah. yeah. What? You mean like Texas? Florida? <laughs> you want to get more specific? What do you mean? Different parts of the country. They they must have taken where I was saying, get all those schools open right away uh-huh. as 
they must have taken it as I was saying, keep the schools closed. Yeah. Ah, oh, no, no. I the opposite. Yeah. That's you know. That's on them if they misunderstood me. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you'd like to get in. Well, we have uh, two more Obama economists saying we have a stagflation, stagflationary problem uh, and also that um, mm, it would help if we weren't spending as much money. <laughs> that spending is a problem. Now, understand how I started this. Mm-hmm. Two Obama economists mm-hmm. saying it. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that. Uh, Senator Ernst slams Biden's push for U.S. military all-electric vehicles. Have Have you seen anywhere over the weekend where anyone's come out and said, well, no, we meant just non-tactical? I didn't see any I qualifications. I still haven't seen anything on that yet. Since she said it. Because that's kind of what I expected, you know, the following day. Yep. No, no, no. We mean only non-tactical vehicles. I didn't see that qualification. Because it was built on the premise the premise that she set that uh, as the example as the justification was the any kind of geopolitical situation that would cause the disruption in oil supply. Right. Which implies that our military would suffer as a result of that. Of course, sidestepping the whole SPR thing. The SPR, the fact that we have enough to take care of anything that the military needs Mm -hmm. with our own production Mm -hmm. here in the United States, and that if we go electric, we are going to be much more dependent on places like China and other non-friendly countries to the United States. You can't even make that argument. That's the thing. That was the poorest argument she could make. Lithium and cobalt, we would be bowing to everybody else for those two alone. And still, it doesn't matter. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. You know, I just want to mention one more thing about you know, Fauci coming out 
saying, oh, I wasn't for lockdowns. I have no idea if, if you thought I was. You know, different parts of the country, I made it clear I was against the lockdowns. But, you know, different parts of the country took that differently. Yeah. All you need to do is go back to the the introduction of the Great Barrington Declaration mm-hmm. in the autumn of 2020 that came out and said we were doing the wrong thing and the lockdowns were the wrong thing to do. Remember that? Yep. And who was the number one person against what the Great Barrington Declaration was stating? Fauci. Anthony Fauci. <clears throat> it is amazing. You know, like I said, we saw Weingarten last week. Scott Jennings, you know, we played the audio cut of him on CNN. Just laying into her. Yeah. Uh, just laying into her last week. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems that, they, you know, that's what they're trying to say now. What happened didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. It the, must. Something's wrong with you. You must be misremembering. Yeah. I don't know what part of the country you live in. <laughs> what does it have to do with parts of the country? Uh-huh. Uh, it's only the red states that are asking him questions now. Is that is that what's going on? Apparently, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Everybody else wishes to. Con- well, I mean, were the people of New York, Illinois, and California were you happy with the lockdowns? Yeah. Is that is is did you you hope they're going to happen again? I mean, well, gosh, the uh, the guy who was governor in New York at the time. I mean, uh, I mean, he was doing a perfect job. He got. Rewarded and awarded. I mean, everybody was singing his praises. The next president of the United States. Oh, man. (laughs) Hero. Yeah. Yeah, no. uh, Nobody is misremembering. Some people are choosing not to ask you questions right now. That's up to them. But the ones who want answers right now are the ones who wanted answers all along. And you failed. Miserably. I just figured I, you know, I wanted to throw that in because that was, you know, that was when the Great Barrington Declaration came out. Yeah. And was signed by all these doctors saying, look, this is the wrong thing. And they were just, I mean, they were demonized like you couldn't believe. And at the top of the line, demonizing the Great Barrington Declaration, which ended up being, for the most part, absolutely correct. Yeah. Now that we look back at it, they right. were the they were the doctors saying, this is the wrong thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You saw that brain affliction? The doctors yeah. are wondering whether that's because... That they're you know they they haven't come to a conclusion yet, mm. but they're wondering whether that could be because kids' immunity system is down because they weren't in school all that time. Mm. And again, I'm not making it. That was just in an article that I that I mm-hmm. read that mm-hmm. doctors they haven't come to a conclusion, but that's something right. that they're looking into. That immunity actually went down, and I went, "Wow, that's the whole George Carlin thing." Remember? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Old George Carlin bit. Germs. Germs. Germ. Yeah. No, you need germs. Right. No, we should washing our hands. What? No. No. <laughs> we should go out and play in the mud. <clears throat> right. Uh, but no, I mean, that was, you know, it was pretty much common knowledge in our era when we were kids. And that's something that, you know, was ignored. And don't you dare say anything like herd immunity. 
you're an extremist if you say the words herd immunity. Right. And and now I believe and I haven't seen anything that has changed on this, that if you got COVID, you are actually more well protected Mm -hmm. than if you didn't get COVID. Right. And got the shot. But the the fact is now, I mean, I've seen numbers as high as 97% of people, they believe, you know, got COVID. Mm-hmm. So that does it really doesn't apply as much anymore. Well, we said all along that, you know, the numbers that they were promoting and we, you know, you, you have to keep in mind that those numbers that were being promoted were people who were being tested. Right, exactly. Right. And we and all, so, we always thought it was a great deal more. Right. We just said, well, this thing... Everybody's being exposed to it. There's no way you cannot be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I um, talked to a guy one time. This is an acquaintance who uh, lives in my neighborhood. But if if he takes time off, he doesn't get paid. I mean, he has to work in order to get paid. So, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, how'd you guys do? How'd you do through COVID the whole thing? And he said, well, I didn't have to take much time off. We kept working. They work outside. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, well, I guess that's good. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, did you ever get COVID? He goes, I never got COVID. He said, I never got tested, but I never got COVID. He says, maybe I had it and didn't feel it. He said, I never got mm-hmm. symptoms. I don't know how many people that would apply to. You would have to ask somebody much smarter than than I am uh, and a virologist or, or anybody in the field. Because here's the thing. I don't even know if they know, because I don't know how you gauge that. What's the estimate even, the guess, the best educated guess on the number of people who got it, didn't have symptoms or maybe had mild symptoms? I guess that would be the the only way that you could look at it is because of uh, how the different variants uh, were... um we're more, con- you know, we're contagious. Mm-hmm. And if people are in a particular, you know, people are in families, whatever. Yeah. And, and in the workplace, whatever, that over that three-year period, over the three-year period now, we're in the three-year period now, aren't we? My God. Yeah. Time has flown. Yeah. I just realized it's with three. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember, I remember right around a year ago, right now you know why i remember a year ago or not a year ago three years ago right now mm. this since we were talking about cuomo this is when he was uh you know becoming a deity yeah <laughs> remember right. right about now yep what a great job versus trump what a great job versus trump we're, I, I remember we were like what about the nursing home thing right and it was like it's like yeah. nobody paid attention to it like but the nursing home thing and remember their best line or their first line of defense on that was Oh well, he wasn't aware of that. Oh God, he had nothing to do with that. Oh, I remember that, and that that's had, what they tried to float the yeah. first time, and that had come out by now. Yeah, that had come out yeah. by now, and we're like, well, wait a minute, why are they, why are they complimenting him so much? Right. He, you know, di- and you know, it's. <laughs> I did see, talk about political comebacks. Did you see the I think it was New York Post, Wiener's friends. Are telling him that he should he should run, run for New York yeah. mayor. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's <laughs> well. Go for it. Oh my gosh. I don't know who your friends are, but go for it. Uh, 
but yes. Yeah, so when you look at you know when when you go back and look, that's, I, I thought about that during the top there. I go, well, wait, the Great Barrington Declaration. Everybody knows that. I mean, mm-hmm. when that came out, mm-hmm. I mean, they were eviscerated by the media and by yeah, right. you know the by the Democrats and by and by Fauci, right? Yep. So, yep, they yeah. were shunned completely. So, uh, oh, the other interesting thing is too, because another thing I want to find out, I saw that uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton inve- wants to investigate the, uh, you know, the uh, 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 you know, pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. and I think the one thing that I want investigated is why were we told? Why were we told? What was I want the information of why we were told? that the shots would stop the spread. Right. And I want to find out whether it was the pharmaceutical companies putting that out. Now, they claim they weren't. They claim their research did not tell them that. Well, then why didn't you tell the public? Did. Yeah. Then who did? Because, well, because that's what that's what we were told you need to get. The, the whole thing of firing people for not taking the shot was that they could spread it. Right. That if you show up, you're going to infect everybody else because right. you didn't get the shot, implying that those who did get the shot weren't capable of spreading it. And that wasn't the case. And you make a good point on, well, wait, why didn't you step out as a pharmaceutical, as the maker of the vaccine? You would want to clarify that saying, hey, we're not making that claim. Right. Because you open yourself up to uh, litigation. No, because they were given protection. They were given protection early. by the government, right? Mm-hmm. As a part of the emergency right. declaration. But we were hearing that really from government officials. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the ones that were promoting it. Mm-hmm. And then it came back. Uh, I forgot which pharmaceutical company executive said, well, no, we didn't even test for that. Right. We're just trying, trying to find what was effective. But we, you know, we never made that claim. And, you know, I want to get to the bottom of that. Why was it? Because think about how many. And now these people are suing and getting their jobs back and back pay and everything else. Mm -hmm. And it's like it never had to happen. Right. Yeah, this is going to cost us a lot for a long time. Because of the wrong response over and over again. And it wasn't, you know. If you want to say, all right, um, the first six to eight weeks, but even then we were learning too quickly about what was going on and mm-hmm. everything else. There was so much information that was that in the, and we talked about it at the time that was available and was being considered. And then all of a sudden it was a one way street. It was a one way aisle. Remember the one-way aisles in the grocery stores? Yes. Yeah. I was ticketed three times <laughs> by a woman named Karen. <laughs> well, I remember right about now, all the golf courses were closed. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, and and rem- remember the... This is the one I, I'll never forget. Mm. The one that... Kids outside cannot play in more than, you know, more than four to a group. Right. No, the, then and, the, the governor of Michigan would, would come and shut you down. 
That was even the SWAT a, team would yeah. move in on your kids. But I'm talking about this was Texas. Mm -hmm. You couldn't be outside. Oh, yeah. No, it was, remember, it was everywhere. Remember Tom Brady was yeah. in the, the park in Florida? Yeah. yeah, SWAT team moved in. And, 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 <laughs> and remember the people screaming because I remember the one the people were screaming because somebody was riding by in a bike without a mask on. Mm -hmm. And they were screaming, you got to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. It's completely... Completely, but I mean, we closed down outside parks. Mm -hmm. You know, funny. I never, ever, ever got approached when I was outside at a park during that time. Not once. Never got approached. Maybe it was because all the enforcers were working from home. <laughs> <laughs> I never got approached. Not once. I remember coming into work and. Brian had those letters yeah. that we were able to drive to and from. People forget about this. I mean, because mm -hmm. now this didn't go on. Well, I don't know if, how long that went on for, like a month or I, longer. I, I think it was much shorter than that. But we remember. In terms of enforcement, it never went on. <laughs> no, the, no, the enforcement never happened. Yeah. But remember, you were only supposed to go to work or to the store. Well, that was the thing. And then they closed bars. Right. That was not the thing. liquor stores. That was the thing, and and because um, talking to this one person who lived in an apartment complex near a small community college, and said, "No, I I walk back and forth. I walk through this park every day because I'm walking to class, you know." And then shortly after that, they decided to go to online learning, uh, uh, learning only, and that's when they they closed that campus down. But Walking to work, walking to, you know, you could be anywhere. Now, you, you, if you got pulled over, well, I'm driving to the store. Prove that I'm not. That's why enforcement wasn't going to do a thing about right, that. Right. I don't think that, I don't know of a state that actually enforced no, that. No. But remember the, you have to wear a mask when you're walking down the sidewalk, mm -hmm. like in L.A.? Mm-hmm. And didn't they do that? Was it San Antonio or Austin or Houston, was it? Yeah, I don't remember. And also, it was, you know, when you're outside, you need to make sure you have your mask on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, none of it was enforced. None of it was enforced. They tried to enforce some of the things here and uh, in in this county where we broadcast from. And, the, and Democrats came out and said, nope. The judge that was um, the, uh, he was in charge of the, decisions on the policies for the county and, and i blank is blank on his name right now but the democrats in the county clay jenkins clay, yeah clay jenkins the the other democrats in the county came in and said no you're not going to you're not going to enforce any fine that's not going to happen i think early on they were trying to enforce it in la yeah, but in, in Texas, the they weren't. Yeah, yeah, I'm that, yeah, I'm sorry. That's, you know, and because, well, everybody, everything was enforced in California. Well, unless you were the governor. No, governors are exempt. Governors Because it, it's known. Right. It's known that they cannot get COVID. Proven. 866-90-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. 
Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. In Trotty Radio, he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, what uh, two Obama economists have to say about what's going on right now with uh, inflation, and one actually admitting that cutting spending would help the pressures against inflation. Mm. Uh, Also, you saw Anthony Blinken now, Ron Johnson, Republican senator, said, he lied to Congress, mm-hmm. and I believe he's correct. He did lie to Congress. He said he had never, you know, ever, you know, received or sent emails to Hunter Biden. We know that's not true now. Right. And so you've got, you know, the charge that Blinken lied to Congress, that Garland lied to Congress. Uh, it's getting pretty deep. Jonathan Turley writing a, a, a column on Hunter and his lawyers going, you know, to uh, – uh, you know, talk to law enforcement last week and what yeah. that might mean. Yeah. And things are getting really, really interesting there. So we will get to uh, uh, that. And uh, plus, uh, Satan Con uh, went on here in the last week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> See that? Yeah. In I Boston, did. apparently. Mm-hmm. Satan Con. Yeah. I thought the Democratic National Convention wasn't until next summer. <laughs> and they shredded the Bible. And a pro-cop flag. Mm-hmm. Well, Satan is not pro-cop. No, right? no. I mean that's sort <laughs> not of for law and order, right? Exactly.
listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Let me just uh, explain a little bit further, because we were talking about, just briefly mentioned, the Boston Satan Con that uh, went on there, where they aired as a group of Satanists cheered as two leaders opened Satan Con, uh, excuse me, Satan Con uh, 2023 on Friday, with a formal ceremony renouncing the symbols of oppression, by ripping up a Bible and a thin blue line flag representing police. Uh-huh. And my point was, of course, uh, Satan is not uh, pro-cop. I was not insulting the police officers at all. It's just the police officers, uh, as we know, law enforcement catches people who sin. Mm-hmm. And Satanists are pro-sin. Yes. So that was, I just want to make sure I explain that fully. Yeah, they are not. Or law and order. Right. Right. So it's. Yeah. Oh, man. They were the original defund the police. <laughs> <laughs> Satanists. They're looking around going, hey, we've been saying that since like the beginning of time. <laughs> and, and nobody heard us. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get into, you know, I need to expand my uh, my vision and, and meet new people. Hmm, who's out there? What kind of club? You know, I'm lonely. Where can I meet women? Gary McNamara. Wait a minute. Was, wasn't that a, that was a two and a half men with Charlie, I believe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, a bunch of women Satanists that he met, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I need to meet some new people. So, uh, hey, uh, you look pretty cute. What are you up to? Oh, I'm a Satanist. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I, okay. I guess then meeting my parents is out of the question. <laughs> you, you've never taken me to meet your parents. Why? Well, there's that little thing. I, it's just a small thing to me. But, you know, they're old-fashioned. <laughs> it's a generational thing. You know, they're not pro-Satan. You know, I'm, listen, I'm for whatever you want to be, but mom and dad, you know, they come from the, like, you know, really old generation, you know. Oh, I can see where They're this, not educated. I can see where this is going with the left. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Satanist grooming in schools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know one book that they would be against. Exactly. <laughs> but that's okay because Democrats have already taken that book. The Bible, yes. Way out of the classroom. Hey, man, wasn't there a Democrat representative? What was that story over the weekend? The Democrat on the Bible. Mm. Oh. I got to find this story here because I just, I just saw the headline. Oh, I can't. It's not. It's not there. Well, have to, you know, and and, and here you know, it is: Arizona Democrat minister lawmaker caught on camera hiding Bibles. <laughs> uh, it was a holy mystery at the Arizona State Capitol with Bibles vanishing in the House uh, members. Only lounge. It prompted the security team to place a camera to catch the most unlikely culprit 
an ordained minister who's also a Democrat state lawmaker. Video shows Representative Stephanie Stahl Hamilton swiping two Bibles in minutes. It's a move that Republican uh, Speaker Travis uh, Grantham believes is sinister. When I'm watching that, I'm thinking, well, this uh, is obviously someone who's got some purpose and some intent, and they know that they're doing something bad. What's even more strange is the revelation made by the House security team. One of the holy books was buried in the members' only lounge furniture and another in the community refrigerator. For an ordained minister to do that, again, is nonsensical. I have no clarity as to why that happened. The refrigerator? And, and, and you can watch him it's right there on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, caught on video, Arizona Democratic lawmaker, ordained minister, busted swiping Bibles from the House's members-only lounge. She called it a little playful commentary for separation of church and state. Republican leadership are not laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but what about the separation of church and mayonnaise? Why would you put it in the fridge? <laughs> what? What? Hey, is anybody is anybody going to claim this Bible? After several requests for comment and a phone call cut short, Arizona's uh, uh, family confronted Stahl Hamilton for an explanation, who quickly walked away from the camera and questions. Then Hamilton sent a statement to Arizona's family, just a little playful commentary on the separation of church and state. I'm a Presbyterian minister, so obviously I don't have a problem with the Bible. Apparently you do. Yeah, you do. Well, way to put your religion first. I mean, <laughs> you put uh, you you put God way down on the list. We can't have these Bibles in the lounge. We're going to hide in them a, in the refrigerator. In a statement that didn't inspire faith. She said, uh, no, not at all. Don't have a problem with the Bible. The state motto is God enriches. I don't quite understand the issue of having Bibles available for members to read. Uh, However, sources told Arizona families that no complaint was made to the leadership by Stahl Hamilton about the Bibles in the members-only lounge. Right. Okay, somebody else said the first part then. Hmm. They They don't have it right. Mm. They didn't explain it fully here. I'm reading here from uh, Arizona's. Well, having Bibles in the lounge is not those lawmakers establishing religion. No. No. First Amendment is quite clear on that. Yep. Congress cannot establish a religion. Right. Like the Church of England. Right. It doesn't say anything about the Bible in the lounge. No, it does not. I'll put my political beliefs above my religious beliefs. Wow. Yeah. No shocker, though. 
So no one ever looks in the fridge? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just, people are just, I'm, I'm telling you, liberals, you can't find liberals are just weird. I'm you sorry. Liberals, you get, sorry, you're weird. You can't find a better hiding place? Wow. All it's right. Just, it's, yeah. You're not even trying. <laughs> yeah, it's what's interesting is from what we know, only this lawmaker has a problem. Has the only this person is the only one with a complaint. Because they acted on it. Of having Bibles in the lounge. They're the only ones making the complaint. And quite often is the case where you see people trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. Well. That nobody's complaining about. She could virtue signal, though. Yeah. Nobody was complaining about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't file a complaint. It didn't really bother me at all. Uh, But I had to hide them. Right. You had to hide it because you're, because you're a liar, because you yeah. couldn't come out and say, I'm taking these out of the lounge in protest, because then you would see you would be seen as the fraud that you are. So you had to do that without people seeing you. Of course, the security cameras saw you. And then pretend, you know, oh, wait, um, yeah, it was only about... No. If you believe in something so strongly, then say it. It was strong enough for you to remove the Bibles. Why can't you stand up for what you actually believe in? It isn't your religion. You know, you just mentioned when just talking about this, and we were, I just was off the cuff talking about Satan Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I've got to find the audio cut from last week. I believe it was last week, Senator Kennedy talking about abortion to somebody who believes, and they will not answer the question. And it's fu- and if if you want to, because Republicans, you know, you hear this thing that Republicans can't win because of abortion. Understand that Democrats won't answer the question as to, and the question was simple, do you support abortion up to birth? Would not answer the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not and right. over and over again. I'm simply right. asking you a question. It's yes or no. No, it's not. Well, yes, it is. Right. We know that every single Democrat in the House who voted on it believes that abortion should go to birth. Right. And so, why won't you state it? Oh, it was really. I got to find it because it was really interesting back and forth. And I believe. Uh, because uh, the the witness was black, she tried to make it seem like it was a racist comment for uh-huh. him to bring it up. Right. How dare you? I forgot what word she used. I'll find it again, though. But it was interesting because, as we've stated before, you the majority of the public, mm-hmm. in fact, every single woman who was mostly approached me on the topic, knowing I was a talk show host after the, uh, the Dodd decision, mm-hmm. you know, uh, most of them understood the point completely because none of them, all that were pro-choice, none of them believed in abortion up to birth. Mm-hmm. I said, well, then it's not about it being your body. You're not even stating your body supersedes that of the baby in the womb. 
because you're stating at a certain time you believe it is a child. And that's the way that the majority of the American public believes. Mm -hmm. And that's what Republicans have to focus in on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the argument really is not what the Democrats are stating, abortion up to birth or no abortion. It is the American public that morally is caught with not being able to define when life begins but they know it begins in the womb. Mm -hmm. And that is a, that's completely different than the way it was in 1975 in this country. Right. That wasn't even discussed. Right. right. And so the movement is there where the public does believe, including the majority of women, that life begins sometime in the womb. Now, the, the biggest thing, the confusing thing for them and the frustrating thing, as I found out last week when I had a discussion with the woman on it, the incredible, terribly frustrating thing, but, 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 but it's not, but, but it just isn't right. Even though that person believed, because that person, it's not right for the women that, that then would be forced to give birth. Well, what if it's a child and it's a human being on the other side? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't answer the question. Said, so you're saying that the woman should be considered, but you're admitting that the baby is a human being. And if it's a human being, the human being has a right to live like you do or I do. She was all flustered, completely flustered by that. And so the the point, and then I, I let her off the hook. I said, just so you understand, that's the, you know, I'm just showing you the, 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 mor- the, the moral, um, uh, the moral problem that America is dealing with right now mm-hmm. because you are absolutely perfect as to where the American public is. And it's frustrating. If we're going to actually it, have the discussion well, it's and fr- not just right. have a march. Exactly. When you actually have the debate on it, which is why they don't want the debate. And that's why I've said on every single issue, the Republicans can win. And even on the abortion issue, the public sides more with where, the way the Republicans think about it and understand that the vast majority of women are extremely concerned about when life begins in the womb. Mm-hmm. They may not be able to define it. They may not want to define it, but they, they, the majority knows it begins in the womb. Yeah. That's what they believe. Yep. Which is why it's a winning issue. Boy, we've covered a lot of religious topics here over the last little bit. We have. By the way, the number one cosplay at SatanCon, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Do they play ACDC? <laughs> uh, Highway to hell. I think it's they? Taylor Swift. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. What the Obama economists had to say, and uh, hmm, might be a race for Joe Manchin. Oh, I'm 2024. That more on the way.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, so I found the back and forth that I uh, I wanted. It just it popped into my uh, uh, brain at the last part of uh, the discussion we were having uh, on uh, on on abortion last hour, and this took place last week. It was uh, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on abortion, and they had mm-hmm. uh, Professor uh, Michelle Goodwin from University of California, Irvine, uh, who teaches constitutional law and is also a member of the American Civil Liberties Union. And so uh, is she pro-abortion? Yes. But just listen to this questioning back and forth, which is very important because you will find out, for example, that every Democrat bill that we have seen on the federal level wants to take abortion to to, to birth. When I had the discussion last week with uh, another woman that we got into the discussion on, uh who believes that life begins sometime in the womb, but can't tell you when, when she was told, no, Democrats believe in abortion until birth. She goes, no, they don't. Yeah, they do. Democrats on the federal Mm -hmm. level in Congress do. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was surprised by that, completely surprised. That's because that's not a winning argument. And I want to play this because it shows you can debate the abortion issue yeah, which a sure. lot of Republicans do not wish to do because you see all the time that it's a losing issue. Is it if you frame it correctly? Mm. Let's get this is Senator uh, uh, Kennedy with Professor Goodman last week. Professor Goodman, help me understand your point of view. Um, I think this is a yes or no question. Do do you support? Um, it being legal to abort an unborn uh, child up to the moment of birth. I will clear it and we should be okay. All right, I'm going to continue it, okay? Sorry I had other windows open. My apologies. All right, we go back now. (laughs) Here we go. I'm just trying to understand your perspective, and I'm not accusing you of this. Of course not. But, but, you know, people sort of talk around this issue. If there were a bill that said that a a woman has an unfettered right to abort an unborn baby for any reason up to the moment of birth, would you vote yes or would you vote no? Senator Kennedy, I refuse to be shackled by your question. What I have answered is that there are conditions that you, you, you occur don't know during whether pregnancy. You would vote yes or no? There are conditions during pregnancy that mean after 10 weeks no, I said, unfe- weeks, I said unfettered weeks, discretion. 24 weeks, you, you conditions would, you such would support, as Ms. Rosky. You're here and advocating. I would, support, 
I would support her life. You, I would support I would her too, personhood. But, but you're advocating a law. I support her personhood. You're advocating a law that says that an unborn baby can be aborted up to the moment of birth for any reason. Are you not? Let me clarify what the 14th Amendment says in the first sentence, that citizens of this United States are individuals that are born. That is what our Constitution says. But, but Do you why support won't you our answer my question, Professor? I'm not trying to argue. I just want to understand what your position is, and I think you're afraid to say that you do support that. If you There you go. And she would never answer the question. It's because they cannot be put on record stating that that's what they're for. Right. Understand the weakness in their argument. Right. I mean, and we all know exactly what they're for, and she was pretty much saying it. After they're born, they have rights. Up until the point that they are born, they don't. But she still won't answer the question. Nope. <laughs> That's, and so I just wanted to play that because it is something that can be argued from the right better than ever before. And the, yes. op- the opportunity is, is there. And if it's an issue that they believe they have an easy win on, don't make it easy for them. Debate it. The uh, the Dodd decision uh, opened up the door for the debate. It opened up up the door for the uh, the real discussion. But Democrats in power cannot have that because they can't have a discussion on any issue. They can't address anything that's wrong right now. And if you try and criticize them, then automatically they go to the playbook, oh, uh, you're a bigot. Automatically. Any questioning, oh, you're a bigot. How dare you question our agenda? You know, it's interesting because we're talking about the Dodd decision there and couple of articles written after Alito came out last week and said, basically, he believes he knows who leaked it. Hmm. You know, who leaked the uh, the uh, uh, decision. Right. And it's just, it's uh, fascinating. So in Samuel Alito, this is uh, Jeffrey uh, Blehar, National Review. So when Alito says that he's pretty sure he knows who the leaker is, and then it came from the left. And when you square that with uh, that with the marshal of the Supreme Court and the squishy language in her final report about not being able to identify the leaker to a preponderance of the evidence standard, it would behoove court observers, regardless of how partisan they are, to understand that nobody in a position such as uh, Alito's thinks carefully about this, goes out and arranges a newsmaking interview with a friendly venue and puts not only their own reputation but that of the entire conservative wing on the uh, uh, of the court on the line if he's lying. Samuel Lito is a human being in addition to being a judge. He's not showing up for work on Monday and looking his fellow justices in the eye if either he's blustering here 
or if they think he is. My guess is simple. Everyone on the Supreme Court is either biblically or pretty sure who the leaker is. They talk about it. They think about it. They obviously have talked about it a lot because it's a matter of internal security, and also they are not robots. Uh, What that leaves the rest of us with, speculation. I find it unproductive. Theories abound as to the identity of the leaker, all merely based on suspicion or rumor. And one imagines that uh, just as we finally learn the identity of Deep Throat, so too will we learn one day who leaked Dobbs to Politico in an attempt to alter its final outcome, which is what Alito said. That was why it was released. Right. Uh, after after its outcome. Until then, we can only observe the horrifying damage it's done to the Supreme Court as an institution. Justices were turned into targets of assassination. Trust was shattered between the chambers. One can only guess at the internal ructions and hope, perhaps, to read about it decades later. So there you go. So his point is, they know who it is. I, they felt, they I felt from the beginning that internally they knew. I thought that the investigation would lead to something. But my question is, well, do you stop short in that process? Well, let me ask you this. If they all know, and the liberal justices know, and it is, and and let's say it is a, since it was done since it was done only for one reason, and that was to stop this decision, mm-hmm. then, you know, is it a liberal law clerk? And if it is, and everybody knows, including the the uh, uh, justice in the Supreme Court, whose law clerk that is, will they be fired? Or do you allow it to happen again? Has anybody had a conversation with that particular person saying, we believe it was you, but we can't prove it? And at what point do you do you fire that person? That, as we know, hasn't been talked about. I would suspect, from the way that Alito put it, that the person is still there. It made it sound like that. If the person is still there, how can you have any trust between the conservative justices and the liberal justices. If the conservative justices believe that at any time, that because if that person is not fired, even if there's a suspicion or laid off or moved somewhere else. Or worked for a justice who is now retired and maybe they're mm-hmm. not there anymore. Yeah, Breyer, of course, yeah. Because that, that, that talk was... Also, that the Breyer knew about it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, uh, yeah, there was uh, because if the person still works there, <clears throat> then there's a threat of a another leak, right? If they're not there, then all the justices could look at it and say, "Okay, the threat is actually gone, and we're not going to pursue it otherwise." Because what you heard from Alito was basically, "Well, you know, I 
I know who it is, but I can't prove it. Yeah, because it it sounds like the trust has been rebuilt. So mm-hmm. was it, did they either fire the person or was it from a previous justice? Right. A law clerk from a previous justice. That no, no longer works there or, right. you know, I mean, it's a, we, we may never know. Or it may be a long, long time before we learn. If it were a clerk for a constructionist justice, don't you think there would be a leak? We'd know. (laughs) The justice would be impeached already. I mean, look at everything that they're trying to throw at at Thomas. Mm -hmm. And Gorsuch, too. So... My thought is, oh, you know, he can't prove it. Alito basically saying, I know who it was, but I, you know, that I can't prove it. So not going to go any further with it. But if it were a clerk for a liberal justice, probably wouldn't be a leak. Because there has to be some consideration. For, number one, eliminating that from happening again. If you know the person or you believe that everyone knows the person that's responsible for it, if they're gone and and that threat doesn't exist anymore, if they are no longer in that capacity, aren't working in that role any longer, then everybody just goes back to what they were doing. If they're still there, then the threat still exists. If everybody knows it, then the person who did it knows that everybody knows it. And so you still have a threat. You still have right, exactly. a leak right. or a leaker, and you can't fully trust that person. You know it. So that's what leads me to believe that the person isn't in that role any longer. Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, so we've got more Obama, Obama economists speaking out over the last couple of days during an interview on Friday's edition of Bloomberg's Wall Street Week. Harvard professor economist, director of National Economic uh, uh, Council under President Obama and Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, Lawrence Summers, stated that We've got a bit of stagflationary problems here in developing where we have base inflation that's well above the target, and you won't get inflation back to the target level without a meaningful slowdown of the economy. Hmm. Then you have Jason Furman, former Obama economist, during an interview also on Bloomberg on Friday. He is professor of the practice of economic policy at Harvard and the Harvard Kennedy School, uh, served as chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under President Barack Obama and the Council of Economic Advisors 
and the National Economic Council under President Bill Clinton said inflation has been moving sideways and the Federal Reserve is very far from where it needs to be on inflation and not getting closer. He also stated that if the government contracted its fiscal policy, that would certainly help with inflation as long as it does not uh, hurt the most vulnerable. Talking about the fact of actually cutting spending. Yeah. Cutting spending would help. Right. And the last part, as long as it wouldn't hurt the most vulnerable. Well, which is why you won't ever get to that point. But I like there was a fiscal contraction. Mm -hmm. Look, if we did a fiscal contraction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we cut spending. Cut spending. spending, If the Democrats cut spending. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you and I have talked about that isn't being talked about at all. That if the, you know, if the budget, you know, if the Democrats get what they want with raising the, you know, the, 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 the cap and the spending still continues that, that what the Republicans even have to compromise is way over what we were pre-COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then what will the effect be on inflation? Now, we know that it was these Obama economists that had pointed out to the, the spending under Joe Biden and the American Rescue uh, Act plan, whatever it was, the $1.9 uh, trillion, they predicted that would lead to inflation. Mm. What I'm getting now is the spending by saying, look, if you want to if, if you want to help stop with this inflation, then stop the spending that we're doing. He's indicating that the spending that is being planned on being done by the Democrats is going to cause more inflation and make it harder or at the minimum, make it harder to get under control. Yeah, which I assumed was going to be the case because you look at the whole back and forth on the debt ceiling and it's not, you know, the Democrats aren't even anywhere close to what the GOP in the House wants to do. And so there's no doubt it's going to have an impact, which means, you know, look, you pair that with what they're saying here, too. They agree that the Fed isn't serious about inflation. I've That's what I've been saying for the longest time. Powell's not serious about inflation. So now you have stagflation because he's raising the interest, but he's not raising the interest to the point of taking care of inflation. And that brings on stagflation. And the, 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 the spending is going to continue. And we had asked the question that when we saw we were over a trillion, only half a trillion dollars uh, in deficit this year alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just six months into the in, into the fiscal year mm-hmm. when well, my god are we going to be at two trillion for this year and yeah. we're, we're out of covid yeah. and wow. and at that point and if we are slowing down the economy that means less revenue right less revenue means the debt's going to be higher the debt is part of the reason and then as we know that increased debt at a higher interest rate You've got to pay more on on treasury bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how don't you cut back if the interest on the debt is going to be eight hundred, nine hundred, right? Uh, you know, a trillion dollars a year in the next few years.
shenanigans, and malarkey. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. There are six specific decisions that Joe Biden made, either as vice president or president, that are very concerning to us, that we believe could potentially lead back to payments that were made to uh, these LLCs that were then laundered down to the Biden family members. That's uh, uh, Comer, James Comer. That's uh, about um, how long ago was that? It was like uh, April 23rd we mm. you said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yesterday, you know, we, we know now that the whistleblower has said that the attorney general lied before Congress. Now, Senator Johnson uh, was on Fox yesterday saying that uh, Antony Blinken, the secretary of state, lied boldface to Congress. Here's what he said here. What is interesting, and here's a little news for you, and Anthony Blinken finally did come in to sit down for a voluntary transcribed interview in December of 2020 because he wanted to be Secretary of State. And now because of more information that's come out, we know that he lied boldface to Congress about never emailing Hunter Biden. My guess is he told a bunch of other lies, and hopefully we'll be able to, we'll be able to bring him in and his wife back in, tell them to preserve their records, you cannot trust Joe Biden. You cannot trust Hunter Biden. You can't trust the Biden family. You can't trust uh, so many of the people that they've surrounded themselves with. So he was asked the question, so you believe that he lied under oath? Yes, he did. He said he did not email Hunter Biden, and now we have those emails. We also know that his wife, using her private email address when uh, she was an employee of the State Department, was basically a conduit between her husband and Hunter Biden as well. So again, I think there's so much more to uncover here. There's so much more investigation. He needs to be subpoenaed. I don't have subpoena power. He's got to come in just voluntarily if he wants to proclaim his innocence. I doubt he'll do that, but he must, and uh, she must preserve uh, their records, their personal emails. Uh, When you get to the bottom of this, we need to show how corrupt these individuals are. Well, they better be right, and they better be able to, you know, show some evidence on on that. You know, Comer talking about the fact that, you know, he's he's talked a lot about, you know, that he believes there's criminal action to be done here. You better not say it unless you can make your case. If you're saying it, you better be able to make a case to the American public. Yeah, I take that as you already know it and you already have seen proof of it. If you're making the charge, then you're telling me you have witnessed you have seen evidence of it. Because a claim like that, if it falls short and it turns out it is not the case, yeah. I mean, then I'm, it undermines the entire integrity of, of everything. Because here's the thing. We don't know. You and I don't know. No, I don't, we don't know. And all of that will have to be proven. There are things we already know. Influence peddling was done. Yes. He took money from foreign governments. Yep. Politically, uh, right. we know right. uh, of, and we'll see if it's actual possible damage, but certainly the American people don't side with that kind of behavior. No. They don't like that kind of behavior. And the Democrats have now said influence peddling is legal. That's their argument. Mm-hmm. To right. defend Biden yeah. is that influence peddling. Now, the American public, now it depends what was, uh, again, as we've said, there are things that can be done for a lot of these things. For example, the problem comes with the cover up or lying to Congress or 
uh, or committing perjury or obstruction of justice. Right. And and so there's a lot of different things here. But influence peddling, if you did favors, uh, you know, for these governments or you did the policy they wanted because of the money being given in, you're impeached. Right. You're, you know, you're done. Jonathan Turley wrote a article, Time is Running Out. Uh, for for uh, Hunter Biden and his uh, uh, family, uh, and he talked about that uh, the the defense team traveling to Delaware seeking an update that it was, and you know it was it wasn't it wasn't the Department of Justice calling them in, it was the defense team asking for time. Yeah, and he says uh, the reason is time is running out on Hunter and the Biden family. This is Jonathan Turley, just so you know who he is, constitutional law professor who is a Democrat. Uh, after years of delaying disclosures and admissions, Hunter could now be pushing to cap off the criminal side of the scandal before m- more information is released in Arkansas and Washington. For the White House, even a criminal plea is preferred if they can avoid one particular claim, and they may be succeeding. For years, the Bidens have worked with the media's help to delay any recognition of the influence peddling and corruption that may be revealed on Hunter Biden's laptop. Laptop, excuse me. Even this week, in child support proceedings in Arkansas, Hunter's counsel continued to refuse to admit ownership of the laptop abandoned at the Mac shop in Wilmington, Delaware, in April of 2019. It's interesting because aren't they trying to, what wasn't the lawyer's case? Uh, isn't he suing? Aren't, aren't the lawyers suing the, the, uh, the, uh, the lap, store owner? The store owner. Mm for uh uh you know for illegally you know downloading the information mm-hmm. from the computer mm. well if it wasn't his how can they have a lawsuit if it wasn't hunters no yeah, right <clears throat> it won't work any more than his long refusal to acknowledge his fathering of his 4-year-old child just as hunter could not uh, deny dna forensic and other evidence will soon make his laptop denials untenable in proceedings in which he and his counsel are required to tell the truth. These proceedings are now colliding for the Bidens, with the laptop being raised in Arkansas and being investigated in Washington. Time is up, and the Biden team knows it. An establishment of the laptop's authenticity in one form could produce cascading events in the other forms. There's already been a recent shift to a scorch-earth strategy, including reportedly threatening possible witnesses and calling for the IRS to investigate critics. New leaks from the Department of Justice investigation have indicated that prosecutors are considering four charges, two misdemeanor counts for failure to file taxes, a single felony count for tax evasion related to a business expense for one year of taxes, and a potential felony count on falsifying a form linked to a gun permit. Those four charges could well result in jail time, but the situation is likely to get worse for Hunter if the House reveals new evidence of foreign dealings and their payments. That is why a capstone plea could control the damage for both Hunter and his father. A capstone is designed to protect against erosion and even help to hold together an arch that might otherwise collapse. This capstone plea could avoid a worse scenario and charge that would undermine years of denial by both Bidens. However, there was one uh, conspicuous omission from the list of potential charges that may also indicate a reason to push toward a plea. 
There is no mention of a charge as an unregistered foreign agent under the Foreign Agent Registration Act. The Justice Department aggressively used this charge against Trump figures like Paul Manafort. And if the same standard is applied, it is hard to see the basis for discarding the charge in the Hunter Biden case. The laptop shows emails from various foreign sources, including some with close connections to foreign governments and intelligence services. There are also records of visits of clients and business associates to the White House, as well as pictures with then-Vice President Joe Biden. Finally, there are emails showing Hunter reached out to high-ranking officials like Antony Blinken, right there is where Comer says he lied, for advice. Now our Secretary of State Blinken uh, or, uh, was uh, then Deputy Secretary of State. However, a FARA charge would be embarrassing to both Biden and Attorney General Merrick Garland. The claim that the president's son was acting as a foreign agent would put a spotlight on the millions of dollars raged in alleged influence peddling. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer has claimed that up to 12 Biden family members may have benefited from these foreign payments. Joe Biden was the object of that influence peddling, and the question would become, what these foreign interests were seeking to get from their payments. Moreover, the obvious reason not to register as a foreign agent is to conceal these dealings and avoid scrutiny over influence peddling. While the Democrats are now emphasizing that influence peddling is lawful, it is also clearly a form of corruption worthy of investigation. What's more, efforts to conceal influence peddling are often the criminal acts including FARA violations, a criminal charge could put such motives before a jury and the American public. So mm-hmm. Jonathan Turley writing that one. Yeah. Well, and spot on as usual, and that's exactly where we are. You know, again, um, <laughs> for anyone who wants to come out, and if you make a direct claim, you better be able to eventually back that up. But the things we already know, are huge. And there is, there really is no debate. You can't, and unless you just want to give him a pass, there is no debate on the influence peddling. The question no, is, there isn't, no. did it rise to criminal behavior, and is the current president compromised? Those are your two questions. And we, and we know, and he didn't put it in here, but we know the president has lied when he said he didn't know about his right. son's business dealings. Right. Well, why right. would you lie? If it's all up and up, why would you lie? For Garland, a far charge would be equally embarrassing. The attorney general has refused to appoint a special counsel, despite repeated references to the president as a possible recipient of these funds. There are even instructions to Hunter Associates to use code names for Joe Biden, like the big guy and Celtic. Uh, some of us have criticized Garland for ignoring the undeniable need for a special counsel mm-hmm. capping off the scandal with the plea to a couple of tax charges and a gun charge would minimize the damage before the 2024 election. What happens then is anyone's guess as a first offender, Hunter could plead out such charges to minimal jail time. These are federal charges, so Joe Biden could pardon his son. Presidential pardons have long uh, uh, and uh, have a long and, and a checkered history, including presidents using the power to benefit family members and political donors. Hmm. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, 
the good thing is that the GOP mm. has the House, at least for the foreseeable future, for nearly two more years. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's going to be any work done inside the Justice Department, because now I don't believe there will be. If if it is true that you have the, the Attorney General lying under oath, if it's true that Anthony Blinken lied, then tell me why they wouldn't protect him and tell me why we would ever learn anything about an investigation. I don't expect anything to come of it. And it keeps getting stronger for the Republicans investigating it because of the whistleblower allegation that that Garland lied. Well, if Garland is lying uh, about a variety of different things, well, then why would he want a special counsel to go after his boss? Right. Because that's the entire point. The special counsel, you know, and, and as we've talked about before, the payments went to the Biden family and the allegations are to Biden himself. Mm-hmm. You have you have a thousand times more evidence to have a special counsel than you ever had for Trump. Oh yeah. There wasn't yeah. a there wasn't a bit of evidence, none, zero, that Trump colluded with the Russians to hack the election in twenty sixteen. None. It didn't exist. We now know it was the Hillary campaign that created and financed the lie mm-hmm. and sold it to the media, sold it to the government, and sold it to the law enforcement. Yeah. And it was all made up by the Hillary campaign. Yes. Probably the uh, probably the most successful political dirty trick in American history with no accountability. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So yeah, I mean, it's just it really is amazing on the Hunter Biden thing and the influence peddling with the with uh, the family and Joe Biden. Well, not with the family, but the only influence peddling was targeted at uh, at Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how every single day something is coming down. I mean, it's every single day, and so it just keeps building and building and building and building. And now you think about it with the accusation of the 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 most fascinating thing here. Now you've had. Uh, the Merrick Garland accused of lying. The whistleblower yeah. accused him of lying. No response. No. From Garland at all. No. Now, the Secretary of State has been accused of, by a senator of lying. Nothing from the Secretary of State. No release statement at this point. Now, I say that about, uh, you know, Blinken, I don't know how he's going to respond. Garland's always been quick to respond of any type of controversy that happens. He may hold a press conference, take no questions, but he holds the press conference, then turns around and walks away. There's been nothing from Garland on this. No. And I'm guessing there won't be. Because if he didn't say it by now, I don't know why he would step forward I know. at any time beyond this point.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. All right. Border issues. Again, Mayorkas on Meet the Press. What's uh, the definition of secure border to you? It is, in the context uh, in which we are working, it is maximizing the resources that we have available to us to deliver the most effective results. Oh, so what you're saying is you really have no definition for it. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. I'm amazed we didn't hear, well, in the time of present, the present time that you effectively are in the present and we try to secure it in the present, not the past or the future. This moment in time... (laughs) And there's really no moment in time like the current moment in time. couple of things. Lori Lightfoot sending a letter to Governor Abbott of Texas yesterday saying, Stop sending us migrants. We have all we can handle. This isn't a state versus state issue. This is a national issue. It's like, what the heck do you think has been going on in Texas? Right. For all these years. And then again, the illegal immigration uh, in this country with the uh, the, the mass murder Yeah, uh, uh, in, in Cleveland, Texas. So the manhunt continues yep. uh, for the man that they say, the authorities say, is responsible for killing uh, five neighbors execution style. This happened Friday night north of Houston and Cleveland, Texas. This individual that they... The authorities say is responsible. Uh, his name is Francisco Oropesa. He is right now on the run. Uh, there is a massive manhunt uh, led by the FBI and multiple agencies uh, that that um, now they have a, in fact, a uh, any information leading to the arrest. Uh, of the suspect uh, now has a total of $80,000 that that was raised um, in a reward. That's a a combined $80,000, and they announced that uh, on Sunday. So the story is is that Oropesa was outside shooting his gun. The neighbor's... Uh, approached him and said, our baby's trying to sleep. And shortly afterward, he went into the house and he, that house, not his own, his neighbor's house, and killed five people, including an eight-year-old child, an 18-year-old, and some adults. It's when reading the description of the murder scene here, uh, the female adults were covering... Other children, a couple of those other children lived, one did not, being the eight-year-old. And then you find out that Oropesa, according to authorities, has been deported 
multiple times. Five times now, according to Fox. And uh, the uh, Mayorkas had a was asked about it. He said, "Quote: I won't comment on it because it's an active case." That's how they get out of answering any question. Yep. Meanwhile, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot sent a letter to Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, yesterday urging him not to bus any more migrants to Chicago, calling his move inhumane and dangerous. Quote, Chicago is a welcoming city and we collaborate with county, state and community partners to rise to this challenge. But your lack of consideration or coordination in an attempt to cause chaos and score political points has resulted in a critical tipping point in our ability to receive individuals and families in a safe, orderly, and dignified way. What the hell you think's going on in Texas? And where's your criticism towards the administration? None. Zero. Lightfoot said that Texas is planning on sending more migrants to Chicago starting today, which he argued against, noting that Chicago does not have the resources to house more migrants. She wrote that Chicago has no more shelter, spaces, and resources. She said many of these migrants are in need of food, water, and medical care. Well, apparently the president doesn't give a damn. No, he doesn't. All of which she said Texas has failed to address. Well, back at you. Yeah. You failed to address it, too. And... You're a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. There's no funding. You There's have, no... Right. Because the entire idea is that the sanctuary policy includes not cooperating with federal authorities, so you welcome individuals there. You're telling them they are welcome there. She said to tell them to go to Chicago or inhumanely, they don't tell them. They give them a choice. They give them a choice of what to do. That's wrong. New York City Mayor Eric Adams last week also criticized busing migrants to Democrat-led cities, saying earlier this year that it is unfair that local governments need to bear the burden of what he called a national obligation. It's right. It's the president caused this. Mm -hmm. Life had emphasized immigration is a national challenge, yet no criticism to the president for his policies of opening the border. None. Nope. And where does the public stand on this? 87% of Americans blame the federal government for the border crisis, as they should. Yep. 87%, according to a new poll from Trafalgar. With local and state government and uh, with local and state Government law enforcement resources overwhelmed by the large increase in illegal immigrants and asylum seekers needing assistance and increased drug cartel activity. Mm. Uh, Do you believe it is the responsibility of states or the federal government to handle these increased costs at the southern border? Among Republicans, 891% said the federal government's responsibility. Surprisingly, 83% of Democrats gave the same answer. I've never seen a poll like this. 87% of American public blames the federal government for the problem at the border. Uh, President of the Convention of States Action, Mark Meckler, said uh, on uh, with uh, John Solomon, what was most interesting as you dig into the crosstabs, 
all the Democrats break down by age, party, by race. What you saw was no difference, literally, within a few points across the board. So it's almost 90% of the people who blame the federal government, and they expect that the states are going to have to fix it. They don't believe that the federal government is going to fix the problem. An overwhelming uh, 94% of Republicans surveyed were either not confident at all or not very confident the federal government has a plan to address the widespread drug and human trafficking occurring at the U.S.-Mexico border. 36% of Democrats expressed a similar lack of confidence. And the rest of the Democrats are lying. So there you go. It's not going to be fixed. No, it's not, not going to be fixed. fixed with this administration. Nope. nope. And Josh Hawley calling for uh, the FBI to launch a full-scale probe. Remember, last week we found out 85,000 migrant children have disappeared. Hmm. Federal government has no idea where they are. They don't care. As the whistleblower said last week from HHS, the Biden administration is the middleman, is a de facto middleman uh, in the, the child slave trade. Yep. They don't care. The federal government is the middleman in... Helping the cartel use and abuse children. And 85,000 have disappeared. And now we know the type of slave labor that report has came out. The New York Times put that out. And as a whistleblower saying had to come forward... The whistleblower actually went to volunteer with the Biden administration to help. She couldn't believe what she saw. And she testified to Congress last week. She said the United States, the Biden administration, is the middleman with child exploitation. Yep. This is the And do Democrats care about it at all? Did you hear after she testified? Was there any call by Democrats? to find out what the hell is going on and straighten it out and find out why we are bringing children in and we don't know where they go. And then when we do find out, when the New York Times does an investigation, we find out basically slave labor, breaking every single labor law in the United States by employing children, and the Democrats are quiet on it. They don't care. I don't care. All they, I, I don't know what they care about anymore. I just don't know. I mean, it's it's almost as if they don't even know what they care about. It's just whatever a Democrat does is okay. We just won't talk about it, and we'll never tell the truth on any issue. We will promote through lies. The border is secure. Yeah, the border is closed. Remember that one. Yeah, right. The border is closed. It's just unbelievable. Now you got a murderer on the run who shouldn't have been here in nope. the Houston area. No outrage on the left about that. 
Josh Hawley is calling for the Federal Bureau of Investigation to launch a full-scale investigation into the whereabouts of 85,000 migrant children who have been released into the United States under President Joe Biden, but whom the Department of Health and Human Services has lost all contact with. We have I mean, absolutely no idea where they are. I, I he The Biden administration is turning... This this is becoming a third world situation. It's seriously, yeah. Eighty five thousand migrants. You have no idea where they are. You don't know who they're with. You don't know who you gave them to. You didn't verify who you gave them to. Nope. This is unbelievable. I mean, it's just unbelievable, and it just keeps happening every single day. Because if you want to scrutinize, well, then you're accused of abusing those children. If you want to hold those families, if you want to look and try and confirm or come up with a way to confirm that those children belong with those families, you're seen as a bigot. You're seen you're seen as a child abuser. We can let them go in society and lose all contact with them, essentially handing them back to the cartels. And that's okay. No outrage whatsoever. None. When the other policy was sending the unaccompanied children back to their families Mm -hmm. in their home country. Right. That was the other choice. And now this choice is have them disappear. Right. Yeah, and part of the argument from a couple of liberals was, well, we're not going to send them back. Because we don't know where they would be going back to. We don't know who they would be going back. You don't know who they're with now. Right. And as the whistleblower said, enabling the cartels, the middleman between the, the cartels and putting these children to work to pay off their cartel debt. Yeah. And I'm sure that debt can be paid, actually. Mm-hmm. No, the truth is, it's never repaid. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Drivers should be familiar with how their actions affect their motor carrier's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, in the seven basic categories. The driver fitness score is based on the physical and medical qualifications of drivers. The vehicle maintenance category requires drivers to know how to inspect CMVs and secure cargo. Hours of service compliance relies on drivers keeping accurate records of duty and abiding by hours of service limits. The unsafe driving category is affected by unsafe driving behaviors such as failing to wear a seatbelt or obey traffic laws. Drivers should understand the drug and alcohol prohibitions to prevent hurting their carrier's controlled substances and alcohol basic score. And drivers who transport hazmat must know how to safely transport hazardous materials according to the regulations. The final basic category, crash prevention, is based on how many crashes a motor carrier has been involved in. So drivers must know how to drive safely to avoid crashes. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Uh, Ramaswamy was on uh, was on uh, Meet the Press over the uh, weekend. Mm. Did a good job on the whole transgender yeah. thing as, uh, yeah. uh, as uh, what's his name, uh, Chuck Todd, you know, was trying to catch him up on it, mm-hmm. which you really couldn't. No, that's, you know, that's one thing that I think will be important in the debate season if uh ramaswamy is to be on that debate stage but i think there could be some very good conversations potentially about actual issues <laughs> well you when you look at it you see him and he's been making you know i i call him the the little engine that's trying yeah because he's just he's all over the place he's doing interviews everywhere and every time he does an interview you see comments going that was really good okay He's right on topic. He's right on. You get uh, Nikki Haley out there, and it's like she's all over the place. Mm -hmm. And Ramaswamy, every time you see him out there, it's like, oh, good conservative principles. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right on the mark. Oh, okay, he's a uh, uh, Harvard biologist, and Chuck Todd's trying to argue with him on (laughs) what gender and sex is. He just goes, goes, hey, XY chromosome XX. I was like, what are you talking about, Chuck? You know, he was just he was just so blunt. Yeah. And that's what's needed out there. You don't need to shy away from any issue out there. No. You don't need to be milk toast. No. No. There's no reason to be. On every major issue out there, the vast majority of the public agrees with Republicans. They agree on the issues with Republicans. They don't like Republicans. Make them like you and promote well, promote the things that they already agree with. And what what gets them the angriest is a fact-based discussion. Oh, yeah. It got Don Lemon so angry, it got him fired. <laughs> Ramaswamy kept us cool during no, the entire right, conversation. No, you're right, you're right, you're right, Ramaswamy. And it was Don Lemon that lost it. <laughs> right. Oh, wait a minute, I didn't even think about that. He's a conservative hero. He got Don Lemon fired. Yeah. I would argue Don Lemon got Don Lemon fired. I know. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. But, I know, but I know, by I know. arguing the facts, though, he certainly was the agitator. Uh, but that's, you know, that's where the left is. And, you know, I, the, the clips from that interview are still circulating in social media. And I just love it because that's exactly what needs to happen. I can see Ramaswamy in his political ads. Hey, Trump couldn't even get lemon fired. I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, and I I have to believe, too, that that gave his campaign a little bit of of a boost because everything was pointing back to that, even though some of the liberal media were saying, well, we believe it goes back to, I mean, outside of CNN, we believe it goes back to that discussion that he had, which was on his, I think, his last day uh, on that Friday. Mm-hmm. It was the, you know, it wasn't maybe his last discussion, but it was Don Lemon's last day at CNN. And Ramaswamy was just talking facts.
listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, so, um, I've always somehow got to get golf into the into the show, right? Sure. You know, my yes. effort always. And it's right. got nothing to do with me, but this mm. this actually happened at the, the golf tournament in Mexico this week. Mm. Where a guy's getting ready to hit his shot. Mm-hmm. And a swarm of bees comes flying by. Wow! <laughs> Listen to this. This was actually I think this is actually from the Golf Channel, and it's just amazing here. It's just the audio, but the video is great because you see them all ducking down. Mm-hmm. But here we go. Forget this was the sixth hardest hole. Uh oh! What's happening here? What was that? Oh, get down! They're being swarmed right now with bees. Oh, my goodness. Guys, I'm lucky. I'm about uh, 150 yards away. But all the players... <laughs> I, I, I've seen never this. seen this before. That's the most unusual thing I've ever seen on the golf course. Everybody just hit the deck. Wow. It's like a fog of bees that just blew through. Now where are they going? All right. It's be so I'm not sure I want to play the second shot right now if I'm Van Royen. Van Royen. I thought, what's this? He sees him coming, gets on the ground. How about our cameraman back there and everybody? And everybody just, I mean, they they were laying down flat. They just all hit the dirt. Just amazing all these guys lying across the golf course. Yeah. That, yeah. Ha- that happened... The clo- that didn't happen to me, not not on a golf course, but uh, this goes back ooh, when I was still playing basketball and I got to the basketball court earlier. This was probably about 12, 13 years ago. Saturday morning, everybody showed up about 8.30. I was there at 8 o'clock just to shoot baskets and warmed up. Even back then, I needed the extra warm-up time. Mm. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear this, like this hum. Like, what in the world is that? And all of a sudden, I went, that's a swarm of bees somewhere. And I look yeah. up and there's a cloud probably 20 feet above me, just above the tree line. Mm. And just has to be millions of bees. Just yeah. zzzz, like I, you compl- I completely froze. I mean, it just completely froze. And, you know, they had no interest. They were just all probably following the queen somewhere. Yeah, and it was just the most, um, most amazing thing I've ever seen, and I couldn't see in the picture. I couldn't see they could see obviously the the uh, the cloud of bees. I couldn't see it from the camera angle. Yeah, I, that's happened to me one time. Flew right over my car, right over the hood. I'm turning around in a parking lot and about to get back onto a road, and then I look to my left, checking for traffic. I've never seen a swarm like that. And it just kept flying, flew right over my hood. Now, for a second, I had my window cracked. I quickly rolled up my window, and it went right over. A family member's wedding had been, it was on a tree farm, where they also leased out the venue to have a wedding. Just as the reception begins... Bees everywhere. Oh. They stayed there until everyone was gone. 
never left. We worked around it. Don't kill one. <laughs> the moment you kill one, everything changes. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And yep. there was this brunch buffet that had been set out, which included waffles and syrup. Oh. And orange juice. <laughs> And cereal for the kids. <laughs> and holy cow, the wedding cake itself was covered in bees. The owners of the venue refunded every dime. Yeah, uh, I've always wondered, you know, because I'm still golfing, what happens if, because that, that swarm apparently wasn't, you know, nobody was attacked. That was just mm-hmm. a swarm going by. Right. Yeah. They must have been pretty low. That must have been. A, they must have been pretty low because you mm-hmm. can see everybody ducking. I never, you know, I never when when I saw the swarm, you know, they were you know twenty twenty five feet high. Mine was right right in front of my windshield. They went wow. right over the hood of my car. Wow. I mean yeah. that that's got to scare the daylights out of you when that happens when they're that low. But you you think about it that if they were killer bees and you've got probably what I was looking at around that area looked like about I don't know how many people in the didn't. Didn't seem like it was uh, like the final round because you didn't see a lot of people, mm-hmm. fans there. But there were probably about a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get hit, I've always thought about it with you know on the golf course, you know if yeah. killer bees ever hit, right? And I remember about eight miles from me, really in the midst of suburbia, but you know it's a little bit of uh, it. There was a little. It was middle of suburbia, just in oh, it was middle Arlington, but there was a little bit of farmland where they were running horses. Mm-hmm. And in a barn, there was a killer bee thing. It killed two horses. Mm-hmm. People had to run, and they got stung. And and but uh, you know they all survived. But you sit there and think, what are you doing out in the golf course? There's nowhere to go. Yeah, you know, even if you're in your cart, you can't outrun them in your golf cart. No, no. At the wedding, no one. You're not going to outrun them. They came in yeah. and made themselves at home. Well, I mean, if they're attacking, you, I mean mm-hmm. that they weren't attacking. No. Right. If they're no. atta- if they're attacking you, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. What do you do at that point? Which is why when I play golf, if I hit a ball into the woods, let's go in and look. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's one thing that can happen is that um, if a if a tree falls, like at uh, the uh, Masters, <laughs> oh wow! If there's a, this is what happened at the wedding. That workers had been working that day on that tree farm, and it was a pretty good distance from where the reception venue was. But they disturbed a a nest, and those bees took off. And so, quite often, if the tree falls naturally or something disturbs the tree, they get up; they're gone. And they're migrating. I don't know where they're going to. I guess wherever the queen lands. I don't know. There was, an, there was a, I think, an attack in Texas in the last couple of weeks that was not killer bees, honeybees. Mm-hmm. I mean, honeybees can still attack. I mean, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've, I've always wondered, because I'll never forget, this goes back probably 20 years ago, because it was when I first moved here, that in an alleyway of businesses in Dallas one time, they discovered a killer bee nest. Mm-hmm. And they were just amazed that, you know, they just finally became a nuisance. And so, you know, be, people, you know, yeah. taking out garbage in the alley, whatever. Right. But they finally brought in professionals to get rid of it. But they never really attacked anybody. Right. 
And they were just amazed that they were killer bees with all the noise. And so what I'm wondering is, is the, is the evolution of, of killer bees as they moved into more populated territory is that they become less sensitive. Hmm. It's always a question I've asked because if killer bees are as widespread, for example, in Texas, as we're led to believe, well, you would expect that you would have, because bees attack all the time, mm-hmm. you would expect that 10,000 people a year would be getting mauled by, by killer bees, and that's not the case. Well, outside of killer bees, the only time they attack is if they're disturbed. Right. If the queen is threatened or if one of them is killed, then it sets off an attack. Right. So right. if it's, it could, but it could be if it's not ki- unknowing. Right. If it's not killer bees. That's what I said. Right. Outside of killer bees, you rarely see an attack. That's not right. It, it's you won't see an attack unless that that entire uh, swarm was that hive was disturbed. Yeah. I, I got uh, I got attacked. I got pretty well bitten by hornets mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I, we're taking a stick and knocking down old trees. I hit a stick with a hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. I got probably about twenty stings on my face. Yeah, the last and, time I was attacked, I was taking down some ivy, and there were some in there. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm allergic, so I immediately had to get the Benadryl out. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I just wonder about the killer bees, though. I mean, what what is you know what is the because you don't hear a lot. You hear about the attacks here and there. Most mm-hmm. of the attacks seem to be not in extremely populated areas, mm-hmm. and so I'm just wondering if they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do they become used to the city, the urban noise? It might be. And I don't know. I don't know what the in our in our uh, vegetable garden we have things that attract the bees because you need them to pollinate, and so we have things in our backyard to attract bees, and it works. They're everywhere in the warm weather. They are everywhere. And man, the last two years, uh, the pollination has been. There are other insects also that pollinate, but the bees do it best. Well, I, I think that's a good idea. You attract all the bees to your house. And they'll stay away from mine. I, man, I'm I'm hoping we can. Because if the garden turns out like it did last year, it'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, they're pretty much everywhere. I mean, you go out there and you see them, and I'm not even bothered by them anymore. But I don't even know. I mean, I don't know what percentage of bees, for example, in Texas. You know, I I've, you never see it. You never see it in the news. You see about the attacks, but you never see the research. Mm-hmm. You know, they, again, you know, they they crossed with honeybees, and did that make them, did that make them less vicious over the period of, 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 of time with the, with the breeding of, of honeybees? Um, because you just, I would think that over the last, you know, 40 years where they've really, you know, come into places in the South like Texas, you just would expect that there'd be a heck of a lot more attacks. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I don't I may, hear about them. I may do some research on it. <laughs> I would have never thought to do research on it, except it happened on a golf course. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, coming up, California approves banning diesel truck sales by 2036. Here was the, the part of the article that I saw, and I went, "What are they talking about?" It goes, "The truck rule is expected to generate 26.6 billion in health savings, and fleet owners will save an estimated 48 billion from the transition to cleaner vehicles." How? Measuring only fuel, because you're not talking about the cost of the vehicle. You're not, because you can't make that case when you're talking about the 
required acquisition of the equipment. It's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. You're not going to be able to mine what is necessary even for one state. The cobalt and the lithium alone, you're not going to be able to mine it. And for the people in California that support this, if you want bare shelves, COVID was nothing. American Trucking Association calls the rule unrealistic. Yeah, because it is. As it becomes clear that California's rhetoric is not being matched by technology, we hope the board reverse course and allow trucking companies a freedom to choose the clean technologies that work best for their operations, a group said in a statement. Uh, well, there, and, and this is the whole thing. You move the gauge. Now there is nothing that is clean unless it's electric. That's right. what they're going to tell you. Which, by the way, isn't clean either. No, it's not clean. You have to mine the materials. And by 2036, of course, it will be outlawed. You'll have to just, the companies will just have to walk your goods to you. How do you think you get all this stuff? Bees pulling a wagon? That's right. Bees make it all. <laughs> Along with Santa's elves. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. This out just really in the last hour. First Republic Bank is uh, gone. Regulators seized it, and now uh, J.P. Morgan says they will assume all of First Republic's $92 billion in deposits, insured and uninsured. Yeah, uh, They're buying most of the bank's assets. Uh, FDIC will share losses, according to the Wall Street Journal, with uh, J.P. Morgan. On the loans, the uh, agency estimated that it will uh, its insurance fund would take a hit of thirteen billion in the deal. J.P. Morgan also said it would receive fifty billion in financing from the FDIC. Mm-hmm. Well, if they get fifty billion in financing, isn't that a sixty-three billion dollar hit to the taxpayer? To the taxpayer, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what's the financing? What is that? Is that a loan? If it's, if is it's that, not paid back, is if that it's a, financing? If it's a loan, yeah. Yeah. Is that a could, could, Okay, that's a loan then to J.P. Morgan. Yeah, financing implies oh, okay. a loan. Okay, I just want to, yeah. okay, just want to make mm-hmm. sure. All right, then, okay. Yeah, so um, First Republic uh, was larger than Silicon Valley Bank. Yep. And this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty big uh, hit. If not for J.P. Morgan Chase, I wonder what would have happened. But it's inevitable that as you see, if there are any more bank failures to happen, I don't know what's on the horizon, what analysts are looking at, what other banks they're looking at. But, you know, it will likely, in fact, as it always plays out, it, it typically is an acquisition, at least a partial acquisition. But this is, in this case, J.P. Morgan taking the entire thing, taking all the deposits here. And if they follow through with and they're on sure footing, J.P. Morgan chases then the I don't know the terms by the way of the financing I'm assuming though it requires them to pay everything back but (laughs) 
I can't tell you that in this moment. <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.